What's good, everybody? I'm John G. Stremski, host of New York, New York with JJ, the first podcast on The Ringer and Spotify dedicated to you, the New York sports fan. We've got episodes three nights a week, plus bonus episodes whenever news breaks. So make sure you follow the show on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chicago everywhere, check it. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful weekend, and you don't have to consume any Bears football. And I make no apologies for it. Like, I I very easily could have skipped the NFL this weekend, too. And, and I, we talked about it on the NFL Ringer Show. By the way, this is the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. This is like episode 34 or something. I keep saying which the wrong one. Oh, yeah, we don't have to restart shit, Jesse. We're rolling now. We're rolling. They don't need to see that part, you know? You know, they don't need to hear me say that I that I quit the NFL this weekend and it was it felt good. You know, it's like it's like being in an awful relationship, right? And all your friends are like, "Hey, man, stop, stop going back to her. Like, yeah, it's gonna be okay." Tanny knows the vibes. Jesse, you know, I don't know who do you root for, Jesse? If 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 anybody, I root for the 49ers. Oh, oh, okay. So you've had some some recent success, even though you're going to be mired in shitty quarterback play for the next five, seven years or so. You know, let's hope not. I mean, you know, hope's up to you. I I, I wish I wish all ill will to anybody that's not a Bears fan. You know, at this point, you know, I need everybody else to feel the pain that we've gone through. Nah, man, you know, it, listen, the the clown show that was the Bears organization this last week since we last did a pod, like, how can you not laugh at everything that is orange and blue right now? So you send the special teams coach out there to answer questions about the head coach reportedly being fired after Thanksgiving Day game. And then you send the coach out there. He has no clue because he's football-y football you know, he's, oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so focused. Uh, and apparently he, this is the other thing too, you know, F you to the bears for making Matt Nagy, the sympathetic figure around the city. Okay. And F you to all these idiots that every time there's a chant goes up in Mariano's to fire Matt Nagy. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't go to the car wash without people screaming about firing Matt Nagy. Now at this point, you know what it is? It, it, Tanny, we deal with a lot of idiots, not only in this industry, but people who listen to these things. And, <laughs> and, and, we love you, folks. You guys are all yeah, great. No, no, no. Yeah, we love you, but you're assholes. You know it. And 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 what we rely upon is having that steel reserve, right? But everybody's human. For instance, the other day, 
I wore a yellow turtleneck on the air, and and Jason Benetti's punk ass, that's my guy, by the way, but Jason Benetti's punk ass called me Colonel Mustard, and of course, all you idiots jumped on it and jumped on Twitter like, ah Colonel Mustard, he called you Colonel Mustard because you're wearing yellow. I knew I was fly, but you have to play this game, right? You have to play this game like, oh, it doesn't bother me. You guys are all well-dressed. I'll take all of your input on my fashion tips. You know what I mean? This is what happens. One person starts a chant, and now the whole city feels it's okay to go to this dude's house, to go to high school football games, to go to hockey games. They're chanting fire Matt Nagy in places where no one is at. You know, like where's the next one? The juvenile detention center? A fire Matt Nagy chant is going to come up? Like, what the fuck are y'all doing? I spelled it out in Christmas lights on my lawn. Fire Matt Nagy. (laughs) Honk if you hate the Bears coach. And then then Channel 5 did did an I-team investigative report on it, by the way. You know, that's how it went. I just, I don't know. The full goal with Jason Goff. All right. There there you have it. You're in the middle of a great little little opening monologue. And then of course the, my my haphazard ass setup over here. Oh Lord. What were you talking about? We left off at Chris Tannehill having his uh, <laughs> fire Matt Nagy sprawled apro- across his front lawn in Christmas lights. Yeah, but you guys have made Matt Nagy a sympathetic figure when all he is is a bad head coach. And the Chicago Bears organization, just by by stroke of luck, they were having a board meeting while this dude was downstairs answering questions about being fired. <laughs> like if I'm Matt Nagy, I'm pissed too. You know, you gotta you're getting ready, you're getting a team ready to play a winless Lions outfit. By the way, boy, do they fucking stink. Like that thing, yeah, every play, there was a third and 32. It was a first and 30 that started that series. They had, they had what is it, back-to-back false starts with a hold thrown on top of it? Like, Dan Campbell is out here calling timeouts back-to-back. Aaron Glenn is losing his shit on the sideline. It was just nasty. Boy, is that really like, you know, the, the poster child example for maybe not having a former player run your organization because if that's, if that's what they kind of came up with, so they thought, okay, cool. You know, the trade for Jared Goff, I was like, all right. And then they thought maybe he wouldn't play in that game. And I was like, Oh God, this game could be, ac-. but <laughs> it's like, did it even matter that he was playing in that game? It was so uh-huh. horrendous, dude. Yeah, It was awful. That lions thing, you know, it's, it's, it's atrocious. It's also I mean, bad for Joe Buck, Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman. Don't feel bad for them. They shit on they they shit on the game the entire time. I know, but the fact that they had, they all even the people in the truck they had to leave their families to go to Detroit and watch <laughs> that game. Like they're all waving, and I'm sure they're you're MFing the entire yeah, audience under their yeah. breath. You know, there goes there goes there goes there goes Bill Smeckleton, who has four kids from you know that are at home by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's wife left him because he did last Thanksgiving Day in Detroit, and she said she wasn't gonna have it anymore. Screw these kids. Kids, Bill, wave to the camera, Bill. Like, yeah, and, and and by the way, like, I know I'm gonna get some grief for this, but <laughs> throughout the game, because I was watching the game while Thanksgiving was being prepared and all that, all that festive feeling was was being conjured up. You know, that's White Singletary. Is <laughs> the Dan Campbell is not Mike Singletary, but that's. Was that like a, you know, a Tecmo Bowl knockoff for White Singletary? Right, right. <laughs> Q 
QB Eagles. <laughs> Not QB Eagles, by the way. As a kid, I was like, man, this Quincy Beagles sure does play like Randall Cunningham. <laughs> but no, <laughs> White Singletary is out there calling back-to-back timeouts. They got a shit team. They got numbers. Like, they have guys who look like they're cold, and then you're like, oh, okay, these guys are awful. Like, that number two, Austin Bryant, he had the, he had the shirt, like, half tucked underneath, you know, the pad, the rib cage protected so you could see the, the six-pack. He was getting his ass ran over all game. Like, I couldn't stop watching him so I could be like, man, this guy's really dressed the part. I hope he makes a play or two here. And then they get they let Andy Dalton go out there and throw the ball with the damn near 40 times. Like, it, it was this if Matt Nagy was like, I'm going to show you bitches. You tried to fire me. I got the red rifle back. We're about to put up 16 points on your punk ass. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, like he came back like, ah, fresh out of jail. He can't, Matt Nagy is Bobby Schmurder on Thanksgiving Day. He's just fresh out of jail. Got my man Andy Dalton back. He is Robbie Rebel. We about to go make a mixtape in Detroit. See us there. Right? Next thing you know, 17, 17 flags later, and Dan Campbell calling all of his timeouts on one possession. Aaron Glenn throwing his headset like, son of a bitch, I had to start my assistant coaching career with this asshole. Like, it was, it, it, like, it was a perfect way to ruin a Thanksgiving. If you really were invested in that game. Like, if you let it. Like, if you let it. And that's the big question oh, right there. Oh, <laughs> like, sure, I, I don't know man. how many people were sweating that one out. Like, oh, like, I, it gets to a certain point. I know where you don't want to lose to the Lions ever in life. I don't know if it, yeah, I'm, I don't think it matters, but that's the only thing that he does. He beats the Lions. He's seven and one, right? Against the Lions. Well, like, that's he what he said, you know, he, in his opening presser, it wasn't lovey. We got to beat the Packers. We have to beat the Lions <laughs> <laughs> and manage expectations from there. We can lose 15 games in a row, but if the two wins come against the Lions, we're all good. <laughs> That shows he's a good coach because we thought that Mitch Trubisky was the, the Lions killer, but no, it's Matt right. Nagy. So we got to give the man his flowers while he can smell yes. him, you know? Right, <laughs> right, right. While he's allowed to be in the building to smell him, apparently. That, that's the, let's go back to the board meeting, by the way. If you're a Bears fan and you're sitting in the cut like, man, this this franchise really does care about winning. They are having a board meeting. I'm assuming it's about the Arlington Park stuff, right? I'm assuming they're getting together talking about the books. But there's a crisis going on downstairs. <laughs> like, at some point, somebody has to, like, run it. You know, like the movie where the, like, lower staff member runs into the board meeting, like, guys, there's something going on. We got to stop this. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You know, like T-Med. Like, Tony Medlin runs in there. You know, all five foot two of them. Shout out to Tony <laughs> Medlin. Mm, coat drive. Shout out to Tony. He runs in there. Hey, guys. <laughs> We got to stop this board meeting and talking about renovating a new stadium and, and people flocking to Arlington Heights. Coach Nagy's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, stop with the money talk. Matt's in trouble. Like, come on, dog. Like, that was my Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was pretty dope, though. Um, shout out to everybody out there uh, who got through the holiday season because I know it's not easy. Especially in times where, you know, people have lost people in years past and this may be your first Thanksgiving or first holiday season without the the, the loved one that you lost. So I know it's I know it's tough and, and, and I hope 
but I hope by God's grace, you weren't forced to sit down, you know, and, and, and in remembrance and why and watch David Montgomery not get the football. That's the other thing too, by the way, like, like Matt Nagy was like, I don't care who you drafted and put around me. I asked for Nick Foles. I set this bitch on fire. You guys, it went off the rails because of y'all. I asked for Andy Dalton. I was about to set it on fire. All of a sudden, y'all want the number 11 pick future of the franchise to be in the game. Nah, player, we get back to what's, what's good. What's good in the hood is David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert not getting the football. <laughs> you see that, George, up there? You, hope, you like this hot 16 I'm dropping on these lines right here? You want a Justin Fields out there, but look at my guy. Look at my guy, Andy. Oh, oh. <laughs> the game, Beanie Siegel and Matt Nagy, a thousand bars for all of you. You, you hear me? Like, and Matt Nagy is pissed, and I, I'm, I'm okay with him being upset. I don't know what the hell the rest of the season is going to yield. You know, my man's got cracked ribs. You, you know, the, 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 the inevitable Justin Fields injury happened, right? Like, Justin loves holding on to the ball, and, you know, you swing that pass out, Jay, you, you're good. You know, holding on to that rock, and, and we go back to – uh, what Trent Dilfer had to say about taking the cheese on Ryan Russillo's podcast. You know, take the cheese, bro. And the, there's some, some angry dudes on the other side of the field. They trying to hurt you at every turn. And your, your damn coach ain't doing you no favors either. So take the cheese, man. Cracked ribs, that's, that's probably just unbearable to breathe with, to run around with, to twist and turn with, never mind trying to negotiate uh, a, a tough Lions defense. Uh, so hopefully Justin... He heals up. I, I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully he gets the last two or three games in uh, so we can finally have some kind of, not resolution, but understanding of what this season was from start to finish for him and his evaluation. But it's this whole thing, man. The Bears, the Bears are one of the five worst franchises in the NFL. It's as simple as that. Um, you can have your Giants. You can have your Jaguars takes. You can have your your Lions takes, right? These are all teams that are in rebuild mode. The Bears have spent a lot of money on the defensive side of the football. And offensively, they're going to have to figure some things out here too with Allen Robinson's contract up. And I don't know if, if what you've seen, especially over the last year, two years, uh, I don't know if Allen Robinson, either one wants to stay here or two wants to play with a young quarterback, right? He's he almost, he's in twilight of his career, but you know, it's, it's coming to, you know, this might be his last big deal. So it's just this whole bunch of things to figure out. And meanwhile, all Bears fans are doing is just left in the lurch trying to figure out who they should trust. And frankly, that, that answer is nobody. You know, Ryan Pace uh, has not done his job uh, sufficiently enough, and the results bear witness to that. <clears throat> Matt Nagy uh, is probably a good quarterback's coach, probably, a, a, you know, a subpar offensive coordinator, but when it comes down to delegating all the responsibilities, making some of the hires, choices, selections, all the things that go into what a head coach is, the CEO pretty much of the franchise in the game day, game to game operation, um, he's not it. He's not it. And we did it last pod about the, the talent evaluators. They may not be it as well. I just, I just can't get over the fact that there's a board meeting going on and y y your coach is downstairs in the line of fire. And if the and we said it on the last pod too, by the way. We said, hey, yeah, I don't know how true this is. And I wasn't judging uh, Mark Conkle's work. It's just the results. The Bears haven't, they haven't fired anybody during the regular season. That, that's not how they get down. They're not about to pay you to not work. All right? So hey, Monday yeah. hasn't happened yet. Yeah, this is true. This is true. 
This is true. But Mark <laughs> Mark Conkle already came back and, and wrote the piece like, hey, I don't know what happened here. Uh, yeah, yeah, are, are, are they lying? Are they lying to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Are, are, are they inept? Yeah, probably also that. <laughs> Mark Conkle, headline. I got banged. <laughs> One of my sources did me dirty. <laughs> back after these, right? Like, I mean, we've been there. Yeah, you know, I've been there. I mean, I, I trust me, the 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 most uncomfortable moment in my well, <laughs> one of the most uncomfortable moments in my career came during the summer of LeBron and the D Wade Chris Bosch situation at an agent's office where, you know, you gotta you gotta check things two and three times. And I'm not saying that Mark Conkle didn't do that, but everybody around the area, you could tell the local tenor was, I don't know about this, but here's his bona fides. You know what I mean? Here's this is what he is. This is what he represents. Here's his Pulitzer Prize. Like everybody couldn't wait to pull his Pulitzer Prize right there, smack dab in your face. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like it's like, hey, baby, I I didn't cheat with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 here, here, make you feel good about yourself. Here, if this report is ass, here's my trophy. Look at my trophy right here. Let my trophy take the glare off that stare in case you think that this reporting isn't isn't uh, backed up and and validated. So, yeah, the Bears still have a football coach. The Bears still suck, and the NFL is right there along with it. Because if I see another moribund franchise beat one of these contenders like we thought they were, we, like for instance, everybody's on this Patriots bandwagon. I know it's not outside the shy, but damn it, I want to talk about some other football team right now. Everybody's on this Patriots wave. Like, ooh, look at Mac Jones. The defense is fire. Don't get me wrong, but have you seen who they've been beating? Right? Like, I'm not scared of the Titans right now. I don't give a damn what their record says. That's Ryan Tannehill's team. That ain't that ain't King Henry's team no more. So, yeah, they, you know, if you go ahead and beat the Panthers and the and the Dolphins and all these other teams, yeah, have at it. You know, I, th- I still think the Bills are good, but the Bills mess around and blow out the Saints. But before that, they stumble. I, the NFL is a, is a quagmire right now. And this, this feels like it happens qu- far too often where we talk about, man, this was the season. If you were halfway decent, this might have been the season where you could have, you know, made some hay or felt good about yourself. The Bears are one of the five worst franchises in football. And I mentioned the Jets. I mentioned the Giants. I mentioned the, the Jaguars. Right. I mentioned the Lions. Right. They're all right there with them. The, the Bears can't can't feel good about themselves in any kind of way where things are trending in a, in a positive direction. Right, the Khalil Mack situation—you're gonna have to eyeball that thing going forward, right? Like, what's was was the trade a win? We're gonna have to really, really boil down those questions too. Akeem Hicks, what's next for him? Roquan Smith got hurt in this game. Like, this was a bad game all the way around. And Thanksgiving Day, it, it was fun, but it had that tinge. It had that tenor. It had that greasy film on it of the Chicago Bears franchise. And we'll see what, like, like Tanny just mentioned, we'll see what Monday brings, but I'm expecting Matt Nagy to be the head coach by the time you guys are listening to this pod Monday afternoon, Monday morning. I'm still expecting that to be the case. And I'm expecting Matt Nagy to not be the head coach at the end of the season. So everything that you're feeling right now as a Bears fan, it'll come. But I don't even like sometimes you get those firings where it's one of those things where it's like, yes, you feel better. You got you were out for blood. You got some blood. You get Matt Nagy's blood, then what? Like, what's next? <laughs> Who do you feel comfortable with? Ted? Ryan? You know? Ginny? 
Who, who do you feel comfortable with making these decisions? Apparently, George McCaskey came down and, and the brothers on the team was like, hey, who the old dude that's talking to us about this? T- oh, oh, that's, oh, that's the owner. Oh, that's one of the owners. Oh, okay. Darnell Mooney had never met the man. Can you imagine coming into your gig? I don't know how I feel about that because that's like, you know, you feel good about that. Like, you know, because that means they're truly not meddling. And then, you know, Hubs report that he's the one that wanted fields in there from 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 word go, you know, but then the players haven't met him. Like, what is going on there? Like, we know that we know they're weird. Obviously. Yeah, everyone. Everyone is bad at their job. Everyone's bad at their job. And if and if the people that aren't bad at their job can stand up and start pointing out the ones that are bad at their job, we can move forward. It's as simple as that. I need a genie bus kind of takeover with the McCaskey family. I need, you know, Michael, because I know he was banished. George, I mean, you know, Jamal, whatever McCaskey is over there that, that, that needs to raise his hand, Muhammad McCaskey, whoever needs to raise their hand and say, yo, it's not getting done because of this person. Cool with me. You know, let's get these real housewife vibes started, right? Let's start turning over tables. The McCaskey reality show is what we need. Play that at halftime so we can figure out why it feels like ice picks are going into our balls as fans. And if you don't have balls, then, you know, put the ice pick wherever you needed to go for it to hurt. But this, this, like, I, this entire weekend, I hadn't thought about the Bears until just now. I, I now, had it, man. Okay. Jay, I've had it. I've had it with the best player on the field always being the middle linebacker. Like, every year as a Bears fan. Like, yeah, he's great. Guy, he's out there. Man, he's a tackling machine out there. God, he's making some plays. But it's just like, come on, man. Again? <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at this guy. The tradition. Middle linebacker yeah. tradition flying around out there. Playing with his, with his hair on fire, like right. enough already. I want motherfuckers to fly around in the end zone. That's what, <laughs> that's what I want. I, I want people to fly and land in the end zone every once in a while. I'm tired of 17 tackles being points. You know what I mean? Like, like look at me. Right, look at we, we get to watch a, that dude had 12 tackles and three tackles for loss in the in the first half. Guess what? <laughs> Bears were still very close to the Lions uh, score wise. You know what I mean? Like, like, I'm tired of that. I'm watching Debo Samuel be the best running back and wide receiver on his team, right? And I'm like, hey, I, how about one of those? Hey, what you, you, you draft one of those dudes from the SEC who probably doesn't need to be in school anymore and wants to really play football on the professional level, right? Like, Darnell Mooney is like, oh, season's over? I'm about to drop everything. You know what I mean? Like, like, like even the little things, the, the things that you, Cole Komet's good game swept under the rug. You know why? Because because there's a fire alarm going on in the house hall that we're all worried about. Yeah, congratulations, you know, man. Second second year. It's your best game against the Lions in November of year two. Great. This like, is what we're what is talking that? about, folks. We're back to where the season, remember what, before I got this pod, remember what I was saying? Like, man, I don't know what the boys at the local sports radio station are going to have to really like uh, prop up or sell to the fan base. Because you can sell anger. You can sell hope. You can, but apathy, whoo, for a football team, that's tough. And then they draft Justin Fields and the hope is restored and the hope is brought back. But, you know, even for Andy Dalton, like Troy Aikman and, and, and <laughs> Troy Aikman and Joe Buck did their best to not call Andy Dalton trash. They did. They tried their hardest. And I know he's not bad, but these are the people that are arguing with me on Twitter. If you're arguing with me on Twitter because you don't know the quantity or commodity that is Andy Dalton, then I got nothing for you. 
But if you're arguing with me that he's better than Justin Fields, there are spots where he is better than Justin Fields. But you know what he is. This whole thing is about finding the guy. Andy Dalton wasn't the guy in Cincinnati. He was the guy, but he wasn't the guy, if you know what I'm saying. They had some really nice years, right? But he was always in that, you know, Matt Schaub kind of vibe where it was like, that's a decent team over there, but their limiting factor is the quarterback. Now, fast forward eight, nine, ten years, we're arguing in two different two different cities later, by the way, two different organizations later, we're arguing if Andy Dalton is better than Justin Fields and if he should start. What are you salvaging? What are you trying to salvage as a Bears fan? Because I, I, I was very happy they didn't play today. I was very happy I didn't have to watch. Guess what I did today? I went outside and froze my balls off at, at the Daily Center with one of these Christmas marketplaces. Chris Kindle Market, yeah. Chris Kindle Market, yeah. Were yeah. there a lot of people there? Was it was it uh, way too many people out there? It was a zoo. <laughs> it was a zoo. But I was happy I wasn't on my couch, you know? Me and my attitude babies, you know, rocking around. You want a pretzel. You don't know how much money. I'm trying to teach him transactional, you know, you know, uh, intelligence, right? He, this is $5, Jay. Here's 20 He's like telling dude, keep the whole thing. I'm like, hey, man, you, you, you like your daddy a little bit too much. I was going to say, yeah, father's like son, man. <laughs> Drinks are on the house. The house <laughs> Our chocolates yeah, yeah. are on the house. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, you get a bratwurst. You get a bratwurst. Who, who wants some German schnitzel? You know what I mean? That's how my guy was. He was making it rain schnitzel on all the other kids out there. I, I, I don't even know what that imagery feels or looks like, but you can do whatever you need to do with it while you're walking the dog listening to this pod. But all, all in all, just be happy that the Bears didn't kick you in the rocks on a Sunday. They, they, they chose to do it kind of on Thursday. They got a win out of it, but it's the Lions. You can't feel really good about that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like calling the kid that you know doesn't have it all for travel in gym. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, man, let, you know, let Cody run five, 15 steps top, you know, from the three-point line to the to the layup. It don't matter. You know, he's not gonna get the ball again. We're just trying to make sure he doesn't bite the other kids, right? Like that's that's what we're dealing with here. You know, however you want to feel about the Bears, I'm not mad at you. I just know that I am unplugging anytime that Justin Fields isn't on the field. There's no reason for me to watch good defense anymore. <laughs> Thank you, good defense. Now, score also. Like, you know, we're we're not in that era anymore. So that's it. Uh, Bears fans, you, you only got a few more of these things left. And ass whooping is coming by the name of Kyler Murray and, and, and Coach Cute, Cliff Kingsbury. Like, uh, you're going to take a beat in there and the Packers going to handle you again. <laughs> oh, and we got to stay up late. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because there's nothing like a national embarrassment to, to wrap up your, you know, your, your good vibes on a weekend. You know, the Bears can't wait. No, national ass kicking line. Oh, we're first. We VIP. You you get you, you get to cross over the velvet rope. <laughs> yeah, get to be get your ass kicked first. <laughs> that that that's what the Bears are gonna be doing. So yeah, man, I, this is the only way to to do this thing now going forward is having a little fun with it. Um, you can start scouring the rest of the NFL for all the offensive coordinators you you want the Bears to talk to all you want. You can start putting your files and folders together. Nah, not me. I'm going to watch this team be the moribund franchise that it is and laugh at their ass for three hours every Sunday. And you see some of these head coaches that are 
out there and you're like, wait a minute. So the, so you're talking about the next crop, crop of guys who weren't good enough to beat out that other crop of guys who wound up right. being head coaches. <laughs> like, and you're going to tell me these guys are good. I'm sure there are some good ones, you know, but right. we, we all know it's about, about talent. The Bears don't have right. it. But right. like, you, you know, you mean to tell me, you know, you see a guy like Nick Sirianni out here and you're like, oh, wait a minute. God. Like, who, who did he beat out for the job? <laughs> like, how come, you know what I mean? Like, or, the, or the security guard that's coaching the Giants. Like, like, like they got some wild shit going on out here, man. Like, I, for instance, like these are the guys who people were like, "Nah, we'll take Adam Gase instead of these dudes." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that, that's the crop you're dealing with. You know, like just imagine, just imagine being a Steelers fan right now, having Mike Tomlin, but then looking at your quarterback situation, knowing there's nothing in the draft for you. There's nothing in the draft, so you're gonna have to give Ben Roethlisberger twenty twenty five million dollars for one year next year. Oof! Yeah. After, after what happened out there today, I'm not so sure. They were like, <laughs> they were like, oh, this guy's done. Everyone like, oh, done. Like, who's more done? And and, and Rudy, Jesse, I want you to jump in here because because now we're just having fun with it. Who's more done, Cam Newton or Ben Roethlisberger? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, it is a it is a race to the finish. Like, like these two dudes are in rascals racing down aisles looking for chips and drink because they are no longer playing football. Cam Newton was five for twenty one today. That is that is a poor shooting game. Never mind the fact it is a it is a passing league where you cannot touch the receivers after five yards. This whole Cam's got some weapons. Who was he throwing to in New England? Who he throwing to in Carolina? The other team. Okay, I love Cam Newton as much as the next dude, but that shit is cooked. That shit is donezo. The same way Ben Roethlisberger t- retired two years ago. He pulled a couple games out his ass last year, but all of a sudden he was like, "Nope, still bad, y'all." Like this, this is not the this is not the draft you want to have to go searching for a quarterback. Is so if the Bears did anything well, if the Bears did anything right, at least they drafted a person this year that. Bears fans could have hope for because if was it Kenny Pickett or 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 the the kid from Cincinnati or Malik Beasley is that the kid's name from uh, Liberty the brother from Liberty or is that the, the Timberwolves shooting guard <laughs> I hear the brother from Liberty <laughs> <laughs> either way yeah have at it have at it if you don't have a quarterback right now your favorite professional football team and Bears fans you might be in the same bag so you can't laugh at anybody but all in all the NFL is average at best and the Bears are like man hold our beers we're going to be the f- one of the five worst franchises in all of football in the way we handle things and the way we go about things on the field and especially when this bungling of a report came out the way we handled that board meetings upstairs while the house is on fire downstairs I don't know about you guys but it sounds like Bears football to me time for some commercials Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Pools Talk with Jason Goff on the full go. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So coming off the... Bears hysteria and Matt Nagy news conference bungling and all the reports. Bulls fans have been riding high these last you know, few weeks or so. This, this season has started out, uh, I, I think, 
far surpassing any Bulls fans' expectations because you didn't have any. You didn't know what to expect. You just knew that there were a lot of good players added to this team and it was going to take some time for them to gel. And then they came out the gates very, very hot. And they came out the gates hot in a way that I didn't think Bulls fans were ready for. It was defensively. And we kind of know the identity of this squad. They're a defensive-minded team, and they take a lot of tough shots. Take a lot of tough shots, and they hit a lot of tough shots in the first 12, 13 games. But if you've been watching over this last week or so, and, and was it three of the last four that they've dropped, that steady diet of tough shots is coming back to bite them in the ass. And we're going to have to figure out here going forward what this team can do and what they're allowed to do. Because DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine can make tough shots, but there are so many times where the offense is stagnant that they have to do it in the fourth quarter at a pace that I don't think that they can keep up. And it's not because they aren't terrific players. It's because it's too much to ask of any team. It's too much to ask for fadeaway step-back threes and, and, and elbow jumpers where you are uh, pump-faking three times to get the defender in the air a la Kobe Bryant or a la Washington Wizards Michael Jordan. Uh, these things are cool, and they're like, man, look at that tough shot. But if you say that three or four times in a row, that's what your offense is. Your offense is a tough shot offense. And being able to rely on it, I think, is the drug that the Bulls and their offense has fallen under for the last few games. The problem is, how do you change it? With limited practice time, especially when you're on the road as much as they were, and this November schedule, we talked about at the top of the month, 16 games in 31 days is a lot. Like That's old school NBA scheduling. Right? They, they've had a couple of three and four nights already. And it's not going to get any easier because the teams that you thought were going to be down are up in the East, like the Eastern conference. I don't know if anybody's looking right, but it ain't just Brooklyn and Milwaukee. If anything, you got to watch the wizards. You've got the, the New York Knicks who are a tough squad. You got the Indiana Pacers who are trying to get it together. And by the way, Malcolm Brogdon, one of the understated stars, but you talk about a value player and a value contract. If you're an Indiana Pacers, Indiana Pacers fan, you're sitting pretty with him for a while. That, that dude is sound in every facet of the game. And, and he's not going to wow you, right? He'll put up a 25 every once in a while, 23, something like that, right? That's his average, I believe, is 20, 21 points a game. But, man, the stuff that he does on the court that, that you don't pay attention to, you know, not getting screened, jumping over screens, uh, defending at a premium level while also playing the point guard and shooting guard positions for you, that dude is pretty premium. He's a, he's a, he's a terrific player. So there's a lot of dudes scattered around the Eastern conference that you think about who's been drafting high in the first round, the last seven, eight years, it's been the Eastern teams. We talked about the West. All right. Whoever's going to win the championship coming out of the West. Well, you stopped saying that a couple of years ago and the it's all cyclical. And what's happening now is the powers in the East have added some of these young players and developing some of these young players. You look at the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets, nobody gave a damn about the Hornets two years ago. And then LaMelo Ball was drafted. And all of a sudden, Miles Bridges has turned into a guy who might be, you know, close to a max player. Don't look now, but if, if, if you're watching Miles Bridges these days, the dude is dunking everything. He's being the player that everybody thought he would be coming out of Tom Izzo's uh, Michigan State program. There's a lot of those dudes around the Eastern Conference. So what's happening, the Eastern Conference is looking at the Bulls like, we got tough shot makers you know, and we got flashy dudes, but we also got shooters. Bulls don't have enough shooters. 
DeMar DeRozan is a, is a really, really good player. He's not a good three-point shooter. And the times that you've seen him have to stretch his game to the three-point line, I mean, hell, what is he, 0 for 9 in his last two games, something like that from the three-point line? If the Bulls aren't getting to the free throw line, they, they're not making up those possessions, right? They're not maximizing possessions where they're getting a lot of threes. And their three-point shooting has taken an upswing, right? Kobe White has hit a few, even though he struggled last game. He's back in the fold, so he, that, that allows you some shooting. Uh, Alex Caruso is hot and cold, right? Derek Jones Jr., Javante Green, you knew you wouldn't rely on that, but they hit some spot-up threes over the last week or so. But what they're going to need is a more diversified portfolio on offense. And I keep going back to it. DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic get their offense from the same place on the court. So the staggering of those two players now is something that's going to be key. Zach Levine and Vooch have to play with each other while DeMar DeRozan is on the bench so the Vooch can get in the game. And Vooch is coming off of COVID on top of that. So you're worried about his breath. How, you know, how's his wind? Uh, how's his legs? He said he couldn't do anything for seven, 10 days. And, and basketball players have to be doing something. They got to be riding a bike. They got to be doing swim work. They got to be doing something. And he couldn't do anything. So he's still trying to get his game back together. It's just there are so many things in, in a week and a half ago or so when I said the season was teetering, I had a couple of people on Twitter was like, are you watching what I'm watching? I was like, yeah, I'm watching what you're watching. But also the Pat Williams injury hurts you. You know, the offensive issues that I saw happening that we all saw happening, but we saw them play over them. They were developing. So now what Bulls are, the Bulls are seeing now, if you're a Bulls fan or if you're just a casual fan, look at how long teams are allowed to stay in zone against this team going forward. Like every game, there's a three, four minute stretch where teams are zoning them up and they can't shoot their way out of it. And their attention to detail and getting like a high post flasher, right? Getting somebody. The last game, it was Alex Caruso. It didn't always have to be a big, but getting somebody right at that free throw line extended area, right at the nail, so they can compromise defense with a kick out to the short corner or, you know, just, just moving the ball or attacking the defense, sucking the zone in, making sure that the zone is contracting itself to get you open looks is how you win that against the zone. The Bulls have been zoned against two, three minutes at a time for each of the last six, seven ball games. I think the Knicks kind of pulled it out at first uh, at the UC a couple of weeks ago, and you see teams boxing one and against them. Portland did it as well. They threw a boxing one on Zach. In this last game, Eric Spolscher went from a 2-3 zone to a 3-2 zone. Right, So they're making sure that they're suffocating the perimeter and not allowing you to get that post entry. So the Bulls are going to have to figure out, and Billy Donovan and the Bulls are going to have to figure out how they can make sure that their offense stays as fluid as possible while keeping those players engaged. Because DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, you know, they do a lot of things, but they stay engaged by scoring as well. Like you, Your scorers have to feel like they're affecting the game with points. And when they're not and you win, it's like, oh, look at what they did. They had eight assists. Or this guy had seven rebounds, so he added to it. But when they lose, it hurts even more because that's the way they know that they can uh, affect the game. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are tough shot makers, but the rest of this team has to orbit around two tough shot makers. And that's when you get the stagnation. That's when you get the two minutes without, you know, scoring a, a field goal. That's when you get the times where they're getting outshot at the free throw line and doubled up at the free throw line. Teams are taking more than they're uh, are making more than they're actually taking. So the aggressive nature that this team has to return to is drive the ball. Everybody has to drive. And if you kick it, you kick it. Fine. But they got to get back to driving the basketball and being aggressive. Lonzo Ball got to get from 
you know, from out of that three point or layup kind of vibe and orchestrate a little bit more in that mid range area as well. Right. He's not a classic pick and roll point guard. So if you, if you're watching him for that, you're not going to see that, but you know, I think his offensive repertoire, I think he defers in a good way because he's a pass first pass second point guard, but it's also a guy who hit six threes the other night. That stuff is still on tape pump fake and get yourself two or three dribbles to the lane. Uh, and he's, he's a decent enough finisher. He's not a guy who I think finishes uh, with, uh, with contact or against contact as well as I think he can because his body isn't one where he should be flying all over the place. He he he, he absorbs contact. It's just finishing at the rim. And, and, and Vooch, you know, Vooch is going to have to be a bigger part of this thing going forward. But like I said, he and DeMar score a lot of the points in the same area. So the Bulls got some issues. They got some issues. After, after all the parades were planned after the first 10, 12, 13 games, the season's starting to settle in now. There's still a team who I believe should finish in the top four, but it's out there. You know, every once in a while, Zach Levine's going to give up something on defense, catch him lapsing, catch him watching the ball, and that's going to happen. DeMar DeRozan, there's going to be times where he's trying to shoot himself back into the game, and hopefully, if you're the opponent, you're going to get up plus six, plus five in that stretch where he's trying to find his shot. If DeMar's not getting to the free throw line, how is he affecting the game? Is, is he the, the ball handler that you need? How does that affect Lonzo Ball? Does that take the ball out of Lonzo Ball's hands? And also, the, the rotation. They're still figuring out. You, you're seeing Lonzo Ball getting staggered with the bench guys. You're seeing Zach and Vooch getting staggered with the bench guys. You're seeing DeMar getting staggered. You know, Kobe White's role as he's trying to figure out coming off a major offseason shoulder surgery. Like, there's still enough in the air. There's still enough variables that haven't been ironed out yet 20 games into the season where people are asking me, like, what, which part is the real part? And I'm like, all of it. All of it's the real part. This team is on pace to win 49-50 games, so they're, they're ahead of expectations and, and what the prognosticators thought. But in the end, they got to get back to playing the kind of offensive basketball that we haven't seen just as yet, even through the winning. There'll be stretches. There'll be spurts. But that Miami Heat team showed them what the playoffs is going to look and feel like. That is a team that starts P.J. Tucker at the center. At six foot five, two hundred forty pounds, and yes, Alex Caruso did dunk his ass into obliteration. He did, but on top of that, he got two fouls early. They went to Dwayne Dedman, and they didn't have to go small again because they were killing the Bulls with their big lineup. Bulls got to figure out offensively what they are. Are they just a team that can hit a bunch of tough shots? Because if that's the case. That spells for madness in the playoffs because half-court defenses and, and, and rotations being shrunken and, 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 and guys knowing their assignments, you know, you don't have to worry about playing somebody in Orlando the night before and then playing somebody in Charlotte the night after. In the playoff series, you got two or three guys that, that are your assignment for the next 10 days and you know every one of their moves. That kind of scouting and that kind of stuff impacts offenses. That's why you see the scores come down a little bit in the playoffs. That's why the ball slows down a little bit in the playoffs because you're trying to maximize possessions because everybody knows what everybody does. If the Bulls wanted to taste of the playoffs, they got against the Miami Heat the other night. Now they got to go back to the lab and figure out how they're going to score when they're not just hitting tough shots. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So in this segment of Outside the Shot, we go none other than the Indiana Pacers fan base is up for, uh, I guess you would say, the spotlight. So... The fire Matt Nagy chance that we talked about in the opening segment of tonight's pod. I'm not with it. You could do whatever you want to do. I just think at some point it's overkill. Uh, and to be honest with you, it's going to, it's going to lead into what we're talking about here in this segment. But there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of cowardice in anonymity, right? We, you get that mob kind of mentality where nobody's seeing me be an idiot. So it's okay to be an idiot. Uh, this happens far too often in sports where you get people throwing stuff or you get people interacting with the stage or interacting with the entertainers in a way that isn't needed. You know, when going to sporting events as a kid, my dad didn't boo, so I don't boo. Right. And, and it's not like he said, Jay, we don't boo. It's just I didn't see him do that. But if you boo, knock yourself out. Right. You, you paid your ticket. I don't see the real reason for doing it, but that's just me. I, I cheer or I say nothing. You get these people, though, who love, love heckling comedians or, you know, clap during a scene at the theater where we're just missing another five to 10 seconds of dialogue because the actors who have already filmed this movie that they we're watching haven't taken out their time to, to relent for applause. You also get these people who sit close to sporting events or sit very, very close to the playing surface who want to get involved. Remember Marcus Smart in Stillwater, Oklahoma, when he was an Oklahoma State Cowboy who had the donor who thought he could say whatever in the world he wanted to him, and Marcus Smart went in there. And as we could tell, Marcus Smart has been on brand pretty much from the time we met him in Stillwater, Oklahoma. He's always been an irascible young man, and I, I rock with him for that because it's authentic. But you get these fans and it's crazy because we've seen men and women alike in, embarrass themselves. Remember the Joakim Noah uh, Miami Heat incident where Joakim's walking into the tunnel after a, a raucous Miami Heat playoff game back in 2011? You've got the, the still shot of the crazy bleach blonde, you know, super Botox collagen injected woman screaming into his face. And it's like, Jay, remember was, uh, then after that, it's always, oh, this is their thing. This is what they always yeah. do. Yeah, we should excuse yeah. that because this is what that's their gimmick is that they're just being horrendous human beings in, in yeah. a public forum. Oh, but they're great fans and they're season ticket holders and they spend a lot of money. But that's I what they do, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's a free country. Like everybody, come on. I paid my ticket. Your, your, your ticket doesn't, doesn't allow you to be an asshole, right? You be an asshole on your own time in, in the comfort of your own home with your family and friends who know you're an asshole. Actually on the back of the ticket in the fine print, but no one ever reads it, that those words <laughs> specifically <laughs> be an asshole at home, not here <laughs> by the, by the way, LeBron is taking the night off. <laughs> That's also on the back of the ticket too. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of LeBron, LeBron was in Indiana playing against the Indiana Pacers. Whenever LeBron comes to your town, especially these days, because you never know if it's the last time that he's going to be visiting your town uh, with, you know, retirement soon coming here in the next couple of years or so. Uh, it, it's a hot ticket. 
He's he's the he's still the hottest show in basketball. I don't care how you feel about it. When LeBron is playing, you can give me all your John Morants, you can give me your Steph Curry's. LeBron has polarized the basketball community in a way that I don't know anybody has ever to be honest with you, because he's close enough to Jordan and he's not Jordan. So the Jordan people hate him. Uh, the people who appreciate basketball love him, you know, and, and everybody in from, from that spectrum to the other one fall in between. And you, 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 you take in LeBron James content, right? He moves the meter as they say. So in a game where they're going at it with the Indiana Pacers, the tough spunky Rick Carlisle led Indiana Pacers, the, the score is 117 to 114. This is an overtime basketball game with two minutes and 29 seconds left. And this from LakersDaily.com, by the way, says during the Lakers Wednesday night win over the Indiana Pacers, LeBron James asked to have two fans sitting courtside at Gainbridge Fieldhouse escorted out. Now, as a person who's thrown people out of restaurants before, or gotten people kicked out of restaurants before, which is one of my favorite things in the world, if I'm eating food and you're bothering me or, or you think you can, you know, be a part of, of my table setting or, or my atmosphere or just being weird, I have no problem asking the maitre d' or asking the waitress or wait, waiter to, to please have these people removed. Uh, I've done it before. My favorite is having the, the, uh, the old drunk chicks at the bar kicked out of, out of this place. Like, I've done that up and down Rush Street in my life. And, and there's nothing, it's the American dream, to be honest with you. You know, some people think it's riding down the, the highway with a convertible, in a convertible with the heat on and, and loafers and a, and a sweater tied around your neck. Nah, nah, nah. It's me looking a blue haired old lady in the face after her third Manhattan and saying, hey, Marge, you got to get the fuck out of here. Right. And, and, and that's what, that's what, <laughs> stop it, Tammy. That's, that's what LeBron James did uh, to these two fans in Indiana. And as demonstrative as LeBron was, you knew it was something bad. And I'm not even going to lie to you. As a black man, whenever I see another brother react that way, I'm like, oh, they called him the N-word. <laughs> like, like, immediately, that's what happened in my head. Like, like you, you know LeBron's heard everything. You know he's heard everything. You know he's heard you suck. You know he's heard the Delonte West jokes. You know he's heard the Miami Heat stuff. You, you know you know he's heard all of it, right? Like those those pictures of him walking on the beach with that carotid pinky, the corroded pinky. You know I I, I don't know. I thought Corrado Soprano just now, so I apologize. <laughs> Maybe it was a Corrado Soprano pinky, but you know we've we've seen his feet. Like he's heard everything, right? He's he's heard you know about the decision. There's nothing LeBron James hasn't heard. So when you hear him, or I should say, when you see him react the way he did, immediately I was like, oh, somebody said the magic word to him. And then you find out that there's more reporting to be done on this story. So reportedly, reportedly, and and this is what's being bandied about. And if this didn't happen, then we will take it as such. But The Pacers fans who got kicked out allegedly told LeBron James, quote, I hope Bronny dies in a car wreck. Now, I don't know about y'all, but there are certain things that I think you should get punched in the face over. And I don't care who you are. And 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 yes, I know I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. You shouldn't be advocating violence. Man, we got to stop thinking that we can just say any. The, 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 the social media and internet age has allowed people to think that they can say and do whatever they please, that everybody plays by the same rules. And sometimes you find out that people ain't playing by your rules. Sometimes it ends fatally, right? Saying to a man while he is at work 
that you hope his son dies in a car accident. There's, there's, there's bad things you could do, right? Open hand slapping somebody, spitting on somebody, calling somebody a racial epithet, like whatever you want to pick. You could spin the wheel, but wishing death upon someone's child is something that you don't play with in any, in any term in any semblance of your imagination where you think that ribbing or good-natured fun or heckling is is needed and it, it will be reciprocated with a smile or a wink? Like, what did you think was going to happen? And even worse, how, how, how long have you been saying things like this while having courtside seats? Like, if you can obtain courtside seats, you're doing okay in life. Somebody's looking out for you or you got dough. Or you, those are just your season tickets, which means you carry on like this all the time. And, and what, what bothered me was the young lady walking out, rubbing her eyes, doing the crying um, gesture, right? If this is true and LeBron James got you kicked out of a game because you said that and you're now saying you're a crybaby because of it, this whole shit is out of whack, man. Fans, fans have a sense of entitlement that um, it's going to get somebody hurt. Like, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the Malice in the Palace documentary, Don't Beat Me Up. You know, I haven't watched it yet. I, wa- I want to watch it, actually, with my lady. She's a psychologist, so I want to see her, like, digest some of the things that happen. Is that, the name, of the, is that the name of the documentary? <laughs> Malice in the Palace, Don't Beat Me Up? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. God damn, I hate you. That's a good one. That's a good one, man. I wish we had a rim shot. I wish we had a rim shot. Jazz can have one in post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, post pre, post pro, as they call it. Uh, no, but dude, I, like I haven't watched it yet, and I want to watch it with my lady, so so she could just see the the ax, absolute carnage that took place. And if you remember, Tanny, that happened uh, during the. Oh, you weren't. I don't think you were with the station at this time, but this. This happened during the holiday party at uh, Gibson Steakhouse in Rosemont, right? So I'm watching. The- I came in much after the good holiday party era oh, <laughs> of the score. Yeah, yeah, that was back. That was back when they were just throwing this, the the filet mignons and the Delmonicos and the and any cut the Oscar you know Oscar truffled steaks at you. Now you get a bowl of chips and a fucking paperweight saying thank you for 20 years. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> but I want to watch this documentary with her so I could see how she reacts, right? Like she's not really big into sports. Um, she knows about the incident, but I just want to see how she reacts. And I also want to place this instance in front of her as well, because this is how that shit happens, man. Fan, like these dudes are going at it physically for three hours. This is their livelihood. It's not just entertainment. This is how they put food on the table. And they also have to be aware of all the fans around them. You jump into the stands, you got to be careful. People have been sued. Players have been sued because they jumped into the stands and a person hurt their shoulder or, you know, a twisted ankle happened. So all the things that are happening outside of the purview of us as fans watching the game, there's things going on. I sat courtside for Nets Bulls. First time I've ever been on the floor in a fan capacity. Kevin Durant talked to a fan for maybe 45, 30, 35, 40 minutes of that game. And it was not good natured. This fan just kept bothering him on the sidelines. And I'm sitting there like, damn. Like, hey, Kevin, at, at, when he was done with it, was like, hey, fam, enjoy your cheap ass wine and shut the fuck up. Because after a while, it's like, you, you're treating me like a caged animal. 
Like you're treating me like you know that you can mess around and, and poke that stick in that cage and ain't shit going to happen to you. And what fans have to understand is these are human beings. You don't know what kind of day LeBron James had. You don't know if his son or if his daughter is sick. You don't know if he got into a fight with his, his wife on the phone, right? You, you don't know if he just learned some, some awful news about one of his homies back home, right? And he still has to come out here and work. It's akin to what we do, too. Tanny, I mean, you know, we for four or five hours a day for you or for, for an hour and a half, you know, two hours, whatever it may be, or during an interview, don't nobody care about that shit. You got to get the job done. But don't make it harder for me. Looking a man in the eyes and saying that I hope your son dies in a car accident is, is reprehensible. And fans at this point don't give a shit. And you know why? Because they don't give a shit because they talk crazy on Twitter. They talk crazy on Facebook. They talk crazy to each other, Right. You're in these message boards and these these forums where you can get all that foolishness off, and there's no disconnect. There's no disconnect from reality as opposed to internet toughness. And then you sit your ass right there on the on the playing surface and look a man in the eye and tell him you hope that his son dies in a car wreck. And if this is just if this is just far fetched, you know, because it, it seems like there's there's more reporting about this coming out, but it, I don't believe it's far fetched, especially the way that he reacted to it. I just tell you this: If you are within earshot of this podcast, don't be that fan. Don't be that person. A, a ticket does not grant you the right to disrespect any and everybody in your in your um, shouting range. You know, there's there's too many. You know what it is? There's a lot of pocket washing, and a lot of envy, and a lot of jealousy, and a lot of people looking at people that they don't think, for whatever reason, they might not think it, but they don't think should be in a position to talk or look down upon them. They feel like they should be the ones to be able to talk down and look look down upon players. So you keep doing this, and I keep, and I'm gonna tell you now, we haven't seen the last of players running up into the stands and slapping the shit out of somebody. Football, basketball, baseball, whatever the case may be, fans are getting wild as hell. And 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 players are, are told not to do it, stay out of the stands, don't interact with them. But at some point, man, we have to be better as a sporting society. And I say that as a White Sox fan, you know, several incidents of people running onto the playing surface and harming people, right? Like th- it was it was a novelty then. Now you can't go in NBA finals or any NBA playoffs without a fan or getting involved. Hell, owners getting involved. Remember the Golden State situation with the, with Kyle Lowry, with the owner pushing him and talking crazy to him as he's playing a game? Like, these are the things, man. We're going to have to stop treating athletes the way we treat them just because they make a lot of money. They're still people. And I know you guys don't want to hear that. I know you guys say tiniest violin for LeBron. He's, he's making $95 million this year. But he's still a human. He's still a human. And you guys got to be careful out there because one of y'all, and I hope not, but one of y'all one day is going to catch million-dollar hands. It's the full goal, baby! To outside the shy, uh, you can actually say this is inside the shy, but it's kind of technically outside the shy because he uh, was born, I believe, in Rockford, Illinois, as well as Fred Van Vliet and some uh, some other awesome people. But uh, rest in peace to Virgil Abloh, who was a, a fashion innovator, uh, an icon, just by doing some of the most simplest, dopest things you could possibly do to garments and shoes. 
putting zip ties on things, and then being the first Black male lead curator for Louis Vuitton design. There's a lot of people who wear off-white stuff, who wear a lot of the new Louis Vuitton stuff that he's thrown out there. But I'll just say this. I know what I know about Virgil Abloh in terms of what everyone else knows and and his rise to fame and and his uh, contributions, not only to the fashion culture, but also to the hip-hop culture, because he was hip-hop. He'll always be hip-hop. And the things that people have said about him on this day, where they found out that he passed away after battling for a couple of years with cancer uh, quietly. And we, we're hearing a lot more of that. You know, it, it may not even be quietly. There's so much stuff going on these days with this pandemic and all the, the civil and social stuff that we have to you know, be constantly reminded of that, that there's so far to go that people may not even be battling it quietly. It's just everybody's battling something. And that's what I'll say here. Uh, rest in peace to Virgil Abloh, who, you know, yeah, I got a few pairs of the sneakers. Uh, don't own any off-white garments, actually. I know uh, my buddy Tone Capone, who's a DJ here, uh, who's, a, I should say, an afternoon drive host here uh, in Chicago. Uh, I know he has all the off-white stuff, so I know this is a tough day for him because he actually believed and, and appreciated and loved the clothing. Uh, but it, it's tough anytime somebody who uh, impacts uh, how people live without meeting them. It, it, it's tough to kind of encapsulate what that is and summarize what that is, that that kind of feeling, that kind of spirit, that kind of vibe. Obviously, we know about his direct relationship with Kanye West and Kid Cudi and some people in the music business who have transformed and changed music. Uh, he's, he's changed their lives. So uh, to his friends, his family, his kids, his siblings, his parents and his wife, us here at the Full Go Podcast, sending our, our deepest of condolences because the holiday season, as we mentioned at the top, is is great for some, but it's very tough for others, especially when you're going to have to think about those moments going forward and how that person passed away and when they did in terms of the time. Like Holidays won't be the same for that family. So uh, rest in peace to Virgil Abloh. Made his mark not only on the fashion culture, but more importantly, the hip-hop culture that we all know and love. So rest in peace to a dude who is from the state of Illinois and made it big and whose uh, legacy and memory will live on in all of the pieces that he put out there, but more importantly, the energy that he put out there. The Full Goat with Jason Goff. All right, that does it for this episode of the Full Go Podcast. We'll be back Tuesday night with all the latest on the Bears ahead of their matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. And we'll see if the Bulls can get back on track against the Hornets. And, of course, bing bong, the New York Knicks. Plus, all the latest Sox and Cubs news as the hot stove heats up. Don't forget to hit us up on the voicemail line. Y'all was lacking this week. I didn't throw out a question. Y'all didn't give a damn about the Bears game, so you didn't call me. You didn't call me, and it made me feel like you didn't love me. So here's the number to make me feel like you love me. 773-359-3103 is the phone number. 773-359-3103. We'd like to thank the family, the producers who make sure this thing goes. Steve Cerruti. Chris Tannehill, and Jesse Lopez. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Thanking you for sharing it. Thank you for downloading, subscribing. This has been the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. As always, Spotify is the gang. Hope you had a happy holiday season as you head into another holiday season where you get to buy all the gifts for people that you really don't care about. As always, y'all, take care of each other and be safe.